Welcome to this edition of Joffrey Maverick Memories Podcast, a companion project for the documentary film Joffrey Mavericks of American Dance. This series will highlight personal stories from the alumni of the Joffrey Ballet Company during its more than 50-year history to give a unique inside perspective on what it was like to be part of this groundbreaking American dance company. Today's guest is Davis Robertson, a principal dancer with the Joffrey Ballet from 1992 to 2003. His deep admiration for the company was first fostered by his cousin and former Joffrey ballerina Gage Bush England, and lasts to this day in his work with the Joffrey Ballet School in New York, where he is the artistic director of its performance company. Let's see, the the way that I uh, first learned about the Joffrey was through my cousin Gage Bush England. Uh, So I was aware of of dance and of the Joffrey because of her you know, in, in a peripheral way. I certainly was uh, not a, uh, what, uh, regular ballet goer at an early age, but I knew that she was a dancer. She had danced for Joffrey in ballet theater. And uh, so when, in my teenage years, I got interested in dance and started to, to participate, uh, we got a much stronger relationship between the two of us. And uh, she really came to be, uh, you know, a mentor and uh, almost like a, a second mother to me uh, with my family living with her for uh, almost a year when I returned from Chicago back to New York uh, at the end of my time with the Joffrey. Uh, so let's see, after my first professional job with Miami City Ballet, uh, I called Gate, and uh, it was in August when uh, – Eddie, because of budget cuts, had to uh, to let uh, nine dancers go, and I was the ninth one that he had been uh, going back and forth for literally two months on whether or not he was going to keep me or let me go. And he finally let me go. I called her and said, "You know, uh, do you know any companies that are are still hiring?" And she said, "I know that ABT is not. I know that City Ballet is not. You know, they're getting ready to start, but Joffrey at that time was starting in October." And uh, she suggested I call. She gave me the numbers to call, but uh, she always wanted me to do things on my own. So we kept our relationship uh, a secret for years. Uh, None of us knew, no one knew that (laughs) there was any connection between she and I. Uh, I think the entire time I worked for the organization as a as a dancer. Well, that's not true. Toward, toward the end, she, uh, I remember very well her, her saying to me, uh, I think you have, have, uh, what, uh, proven yourself enough at this point that, uh, it, she, she would be pleased to, to be able to claim me something along those right. lines, which was the yep. highest compliment she could give me. Uh, but at this time, no one knew, and, and I called the company manager at Joffrey, and uh, they were not hiring. Uh, and she said, why don't you call Joffrey, too, uh, and see if they are. Uh, and uh, Gage was a ballet mistress at that time, and Jeremy Blanton was the director at that time. And I, I called Jeremy, and... Uh, Long story short, they were looking, and I packed everything up from Miami, moved to New York, and uh, walked into Mrs. D's office and said, I need a, a scholarship for the next few weeks uh, because I'm I'm going to try and join uh, Joffrey, too. And she gave it to me, and uh, there was a beautiful 6'3 guy, blonde, 
perfect legs, feet, everything that a male dancer should be. And I was just very, very, very fortunate. He was a total boob. He couldn't show up for class on time. He missed rehearsals, etc. So he didn't get the job. Uh, because if it had been uh, ability at that time, he certainly had had more of it than I did. Uh, but I got the job in the end and um, spent uh, about a year and a half with uh, Joffrey too under Gage and Jeremy's tutelage. And uh, Arpino wanted to hire me uh, almost right away and she wouldn't let him have me uh which when i found out i was a little disenchanted but in hindsight it's probably the best thing that happened to me uh and i went into the company at a, a wonderful time and i got to start doing a lot right away we had works by uh yuri killian and, and ashton and uh it was just a, a great great time to be in the company uh randy duncan came in uh, and choreographed uh, a trio uh, that I was one of the dancers on called The Trifling that ended up premiering at State Theater. And uh, it uh, it was a time when, uh, let's see, Tom Mossbarker was there, Beatrice Rodriguez was there, Tina LeBlanc was still there, uh, Julie Janis, Tyler Walters, Jody Gates, uh, really just a, a very special time with a special group of dancers uh, that uh, taught me a lot. Elizabeth Parkinson, just uh, people that have gone on to do great, great things. Uh, Adam Skloot, of course. And uh, it, uh, it was the perfect environment for a young dancer to realize how much there was out there and how much talent individuals had. Uh, and the need for humility. Uh, every one of those people had so much to give and so much to offer, and uh, they viewed themselves as a part of the Joffrey family. It was, it was never the, the, you know, I or my, this, you know, we are doing this was sort of the, the pronoun always chosen, and uh, it stuck with me for uh, my career. And so did you feel like you were, you know, in a competitive atmosphere there or what really were people willing to, to help each other out? They really were all going toward the same goal instead of, um, uh, you know, trying to outdo each other, trying to, to compete for roles and be featured. Uh, you know, for, for me, uh, there, there was some of that. There was some competition and people competing for roles, certainly, but, uh, you know, maybe because of, uh, of my age and uh, the fact that I was the, the new kid, uh, the way that I was treated and, and the way that I came into things, uh, it was incredibly generous. Uh, the very first day that I was in the studio, uh, Tina LeBlanc, Beatrice Rodriguez, and Elizabeth Parkinson all came over, introduced themselves, and offered their assistance. And those those were three principal dancers in the company. Uh, and uh, so, in that sense, uh, it it really was a very generous uh, environment. Uh, and uh, I've remained uh, close with all those people. Uh, and, uh, you know, Tyler Walters, who uh, was a senior member of the company then, was uh, equally generous from the beginning. Uh, and uh, 
he uh, was the individual who coached me the most in Afternoon of the Fawn. And I remember when he said to me, uh, this was a piece that uh, was very special. He was there when, when it was reconstructed with Nureyev and uh, was able to give me all of that inside information. He said, you know, it's, it's my gift to you to be able to tell you as much as I possibly can. And uh, all I ask in return is that you someday uh, give a similar gift to another dancer. So uh, that is very, very generous. Yes. And was it something that um, was in your previous time with other companies or other work, something that you experienced as well, or was this sort of a new experience? Uh, you would experience it, or I experienced it some, and, you know, uh, interestingly enough, I think I experienced it much more in the modern world than ever in the ballet world. My experiences in the ballet world uh, were much more competitive in, in other companies or uh, even going to do galas where, you know, other principal dancers from other companies were there and you weren't fighting for a job, you were just fighting for applause. Uh, but, uh, you know, say working with David Parsons' company, uh, you know, it's a, it's a tiny group. It's, I think it was eight or ten dancers, and that had the same uh, familiar uh, experience where uh, everyone uh, was, was in it together and, and you know, like a, a family knew one another so well uh, that there were moments of dysfunction and, and annoyance with one another, but uh, it passed quickly maybe a little bit surprised to hear that that even continued after Mr. Joffrey's death, you know, that he, that the company's culture didn't change to be, you know, this cutthroat atmosphere. It continued to be the family atmosphere that everyone describes it was. Jerry never got uh, the appropriate amount of, of credit for uh, his contribution to the company. And, uh, you know, he was put through, through quite a lot after uh, Joffrey passed on, and uh, he he was certainly less organized, uh, but uh, not necessarily less inspiring. Uh, and uh, I don't think he's he's given credit for that aspect of it. It means quite a lot for artists to uh, be reminded that that's what we are. This isn't a job. We're not employees of the company. We're artists. We're creating. And he always managed to, to bring uh, that most important factor back into the forefront of your mind. And so you were there about the time when, like you say, all the, the conflict started happening and um, you know, cracks started to show, I guess, between um, Arpino's abilities to run a company versus his abilities at choreography and arguments that had happened with the board and the people who felt that somebody else should take over the, the artistic direction. What was it like to be in that? I mean, were the dancers really aware of what was going on? I happen to know because Gage was on the board. Uh, oh. And uh, she, she was uh, someone that uh, was right in the, the thick of that uh, so, you know, I have her, her first-hand description of things, uh, but no, the dancers uh, in general were not aware of it. And then billboards came after that. 
Yes, not not too long uh, after that it came. Was it surprising when this was proposed, and you know that it was going to be Prince music, and obviously? Oh, it was, it was awesome. I, I mean, Prince yeah. was just like a rock god at that time. He was yeah. at the the peak of his career, and uh, you know, I was in my twenties. This was the the coolest thing I had ever heard of. Uh, you know, I get to to be on stage with uh, Prince and or you know with him actually on a couple of occasions when he saw things, but with his music performing on a regular basis, you know, fantastic. And uh, we when we were in uh, his hometown, Minneapolis, he took us to his uh, his home and studio, Paisley Park. Uh, I mean, that that was just unbelievable stuff it was it was fantastic uh but you know after 100 performances of anything you start to grow weary of it uh and uh you know that when you i think when you hear dancers talk about uh billboards and uh how they felt about it uh it's difficult for everybody to remember how excited we all were when it first happened and how right. uh, just incredible it was uh, in the beginning. Uh, and, you know, doing that filming and, and uh, having audiences react in the way that they did, uh, it was really, really fantastic. You know, we toured to Vancouver with billboards as one program and with uh, Return to Strangeland, um, uh, oh, uh, Arpino's beautiful piece with the little lights in the background, Round of Angels, uh, and uh, Monotones. Uh, there probably was something else on that program as well that I maybe Sansol or something like that. I can't remember for sure, or Cat and Taunts. Uh, but uh, that was great. You know, we were still doing the meat of the rep. Everybody has this impression that when billboards came, everything else stopped the very first day. But that wasn't the case. We we were doing the other rep and billboards at the same time uh, in the beginning. But then <laughs> billboards just took over, and it right. cannibalized the company. Hmm. Were there a lot of people that left around that time, or uh, or you know, and new people coming in? Well, yes, uh, and you know they they left because we had an extended layoff, and and finances were an issue, and then billboards was a factor to some uh, after a while, uh, and also contracts, you know. Uh, um, the uh, Zurich Ballet, uh, Burns Beinert was the director at the time, uh, had uh, an audition and many of us went, uh, and I think at least eight people from the company were offered contracts, uh, and I, I was one of them, uh, and I, I, I had a heavy deliberation about whether right. to, to take that job or not, uh, but... Uh, I, I was still committed to the Joffrey, you know, the, uh, what the, the idea of that, that company, the rep that we, you know, had done and, and not having enough years, uh, there, in my opinion, to feel satiated, uh, made me want to stay. Uh, and 
so I, I passed on that, but several other uh, dancers, uh, because of, you know, the fact that they, Zurich was looking and hiring and it, you know, it was a wonderful European contract, 52 weeks a year and full medical and all of that, that pulled a lot of people right. away. Uh, and then, uh, so at this point you hadn't found out that the company was planning a, a shutdown and a move to Chicago. Correct. Uh, had I known that, I think I might have made a different decision. Right. <laughs> it was the very, very next season actually when when all of that happened and they asked us to to forego salaries for uh state theater and c c connor uh the executive director you know literally came in and shed tears in front of the dancers that uh if we didn't do this, you know the company was was going to go defunct and uh you know we didn't we didn't know the details of the situation. We we were being told by him that if, if we did this, it would work and the company would keep going. Well, you know, we didn't get paid those weeks of work at State Theater in full ever. Uh, there are dancers who are still owed monies from those weeks and, and for guaranteed weeks. Uh, Agma ended up settling 10 cents on the dollar and paying the dancers through the profits of the boutique. So, you know, 15 years later, there, there are dancers who will still get checked for $100 every now and then trying to pay off that money. I think you were part of the reconstruction of Astarte, weren't you? I was. And that we didn't, was... We didn't talk about it very much, but in 2002, there was a revival of that piece. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. It, uh, you know, they, they did it right. They, they did everything the same. We, we went and shot in the exact same studio uh, in L.A. with the exact same camera that the original had been, been shot with. Um, and uh, the attention to detail was huge. Uh, and uh, Dermot and Trinette uh, came in and uh, worked with us uh what uh, <laughs> uh for for weeks i i don't i don't know how long but in and it was uh it was again a gift from them you know they they were uh excited to to recreate it uh as much as possible and and we all understood it there was no way it could have the same social impact and that, you know, this was sort of a, a dance history piece. This was going to be a, a living, breathing uh, representation of dance history. Uh, and uh, they uh, took the time to share uh, personal moments and, and experiences and, and really put us into their mindset, you know, uh, I guess the best example and probably the most painful uh, to to share was the death of, of Max and and Trinette uh, was very candid about that and uh, about all of the dynamics surrounding that and as as was Dermot and it really helped us to understand what was going on with them personally and it changed the approach to the piece. And so your work with the school now, which is Robert Joffrey and Gerald Arpino's original school in New York, um, how, how has 
your how important is it from being a company member to running their their school? It's uh, it's a heavy heavy torch to bear. It's incredibly yeah. important. Uh, you know, and uh, it's important because of what they built, how they changed the dance world. You know, uh, I'm I'm not sure that. Uh, Robert Joffrey gets enough credit in the dance world for what he did. Uh, you know, we recognize Balanchine on a regular basis for changing the face of dance. Uh, and Robert Joffrey did exactly the same thing. He didn't change the technique. He didn't do what Balanchine did by stripping down the stage and making it apparent to every audience member that something new was happening. But he changed the philosophy of dance. And he changed the philosophy of dancers. And he reshaped the dance world. You no longer are allowed to compartmentalize yourself as a dancer, or even in most cases as a dance company. You've got to have some versatility. And that was him. And that was the Joffrey. And that's what made them unique. And now that's the expectation of every dancer worldwide. And Robert Joffrey deserves the credit for that. Thank you for listening to this edition of our podcast. Visit our website at www.joffreymovie.com to sign up and receive a free series of digital photo books entitled Joffrey Maverick Moments. Find us on Facebook, Joffrey Ballet Movie. Follow us on Twitter, at Joffrey Movie. And view our video clips on our YouTube channel, Joffrey Movie.